with Medicine Today. This is John Murphy. It's my pleasure to welcome Dr. Scott Nyberg to this particular podcast. Uh, Dr. Nyberg comes to us from the Mayo Clinic, and he's both a clinician and a scientist. And his interests primarily focus on liver failure and has some interesting work I hope that he'll share with us today. Dr. Nyberg, welcome to Regenerative Medicine Today. Yeah, John, it's great to be with you. Thank you. So I think from the interest of the typical guest on this podcast, we might begin by talking about your research activities as it relates to liver and liver failure. I know that you have a bioartificial liver program that you're responsible for. Is that a good place to start? Sure. I've been working in this area probably over 20 years. I'm also a liver transplant surgeon, so I see the device as a support device for our patients waiting for liver transplant and possibly to avoid a liver transplant if the patient's liver can regenerate on its own. As you know, there's a huge shortage of organs, so any way we can avoid a transplant and help a patient would be a great accomplishment, and that's what we're trying to do with our artificial liver device. So how would you use an artificial liver device? Is this a bridge to a transplant, or is this a bridge to recovery, or is it have the opportunity for both? Probably both. It's hard to know how many patients will recover spontaneously with support because the device currently doesn't exist. But I would estimate patients with acute liver failure, where they're a healthy patient who suddenly develops liver disease, either from a virus infection or a Tylenol drug overdose, probably a third of those patients that we're currently transplanting could recover without a transplant if there was a device available. The other two-thirds would need to be supported until an organ became available. Currently, if you reach that point, there's as high as a 50 to 60% mortality. So a liver support device could make a big difference in that large group of patients. So how does one make a bioartificial liver? What's the bioartificial part? The artificial refers more to an extracorporeal system that's similar to hemodialysis, a set of filters and pumps operated by a computer-controlled machine. The hypothesis is that you need living cells to perform the detoxification and metabolic and synthetic functions that a simple filter can't accomplish. The first artificial livers were developed back in the 50s and 60s, and they just didn't support patients sufficiently. So in about the early 80s, the idea of putting cells in a device came about, and essentially what we're doing in my lab is a third-generation device that's a little more sophisticated. It's able to support a larger dose of cells for a longer period of time. So are these human cells or porcine cells, or what type of cells do you use? Well, we'd love to use human cells. That's the holy grail. Unfortunately, all the good human cells are put into patients as liver transplants. There really isn't a good supply of human hepatocytes for artificial livers at this point. So pig would be the next best choice. We could talk about the different options, but there's a lot of similarities in size and metabolic function. So most researchers in the field that haven't used human cells have attempted pig, Alternatives to primary human hepatocytes exist. Stem cell lines are being considered to grow hepatocytes from stem cells or cells that are differentiated into stem cells called IPS cells. So there are different options that researchers are working on. In my lab, we've 
developed a genetically engineered pig to serve as an incubator to grow human hepatocytes. So we're pretty excited about that project. So tell us a little bit more about the genetically engineered pig. Well, there's a disease in humans called hereditary tyrosinemia that causes liver failure. And someone in Oregon, his name is Marcus Grumpy, the scientist who figured out that you could make a, a mouse with the same defect and it causes the mouse's liver cells to die. And when you transplant human cells into these mice, there's a selective advantage to enrich human hepatocytes. In Marcus's hands, he's been able to repopulate these mice with greater than 90 to 99% human hepatocytes. So our idea was to create the same model in a pig. A pig is about a thousand times bigger than a mouse, so you can scale up this human hepatocyte production essentially a thousand times. So that's what we're working on now. Our, our first litter of these knockout pigs were produced in December. So this is the first model of a metabolic liver disease that occurs in a large animal. So we're pretty excited about that. So the animal model is for research purposes to test various types of systems and approaches, is that correct? Yeah, it has a few applications. It's a model of human liver disease, so it would be used to study human liver disease. It's also a model of this incubator to mass-produce human hepatocytes. So I see a clinical application of these pigs as an incubator to farm human hepatocytes, either by transplanting the human hepatocytes in as primary human hepatocytes or to implant stem cells and have them differentiate or mature in these pigs. One trick I haven't mentioned is that we do the transplants early in the pig's development. So these are transplants we perform in fetal pigs during the first trimester of life, which allows them to see a fetal environment in vivo. By transplanting them early, you perform the transplant before the pig's immune system is developed so they develop a natural tolerance to the human cells. So the pigs don't reject the human cells, and it allows the cells to mature and expand in these pigs. So we're pretty excited about this knockout pig project. So is there any clinical applications for this, or is this simply a research tool? We hope there's a clinical application to produce hepatocytes for use in our bioartificial liver, to use hepatocytes for cell transplantation purposes rather than removing a whole liver and replacing the liver. If you just provide the hepatocytes, you may be able to treat many diseases that are metabolic diseases that are affected by a gene defect in the hepatocytes of the patient. Another possibility would be to take the patient's cells out of their body. This is a patient with a metabolic liver disease take their cells, convert them into iPS cells, which is a technology that's been recently developed to make stem cells. Also, when the cells are out of the body, correct the gene defect, transplant those cells into our pigs, and expand those cells so at the end of the day you've got a large supply of corrected hepatocytes that you can transplant back into the patient to treat their metabolic 
liver disease. The neat thing about this idea is you're using the patient's own cells so that you don't need immunosuppression. So to me, that's one of the real exciting areas of this project. We haven't done it yet, but that's one of the areas we're headed towards in the future. That's certainly an interesting approach, and I suspect that we should just be sure to stress to our listeners that this is a research project that maybe has a potential clinical availability in, what, the five to ten year time frame? Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen in the next two years. As I've told people at our institution, I'm hoping in five years we have something. Each year we'll know more as far as what's possible. In my lab today, we've got these genetically engineered pigs that have received human stem cell transplants, and we're just studying them and trying to see what happens to the cells. But yeah, this is a potential therapy for the future. As a transplant surgeon, our biggest problem is the shortage of organs for transplant. I would prefer to focus on ways to expand the pool of organs, and I see this as one of those potential areas. So where do you see the future in terms of organ regeneration, the whole issue of organ shortage, and some of these very interesting hypotheses that you're pursuing with your colleagues? Well, the the obvious problem is that each year in the United States alone, there are thirty to 40,000 people that die of liver disease. We only have enough livers to transplant about four to 5,000 patients. So there's this huge disparity between supply and demand. One area would be organs from living donors, family members that could address the shortage. There are certain risks of that operation, so that's only got a limited amount of growth that's possible. So a supply of artificially produced organs would be a great solution. There's a lot of technologies that are being pursued here at McGowan. There's projects with stem cells. There's projects with livers that have been decellularized that investigators are trying to recellularize the liver. I think that's an exciting area also. The idea would be to artificially produce a liver that could be used for transplantation. Usually these projects require what I call fundamental discoveries, and there have been a few recent fundamental discoveries with the idea of how to produce stem cells from adult cells, the iPS cells I mentioned. Whether that's enough of a fundamental discovery, are pigs the ability to clone pigs with metabolic diseases? That's a new discovery that's only been available in the past few years. You have to have accumulation of these fundamental discoveries before you can make a major advance. It's been 50 years since liver transplantation came about. It's probably about time for synthetic organs to be produced, and I'm hoping we're close to that point. So you mentioned a whole host of particular approaches. The one I didn't pick up on is the concept of a xenograft. Is that viable in your opinion? Well, the xenograft has had received a lot of hype over the past 10 years. What we're doing is we're using pigs to produce human livers. That's maybe you could argue a form of xenografting because the pig is involved. The original xenograft projects were to take pig cells and insert human genes to camouflage the pig cells so the human immune system wouldn't respond. So far, there are just too many pig genes in a pig cell to camouflage all of them. To my knowledge, that's just not been successful on a clinical basis. So I don't know the future of xenotransplantation. It's always been around the corner and may continue to be, according to some people. 
I'm hoping that with projects like ours, animal models will still be useful, but in our case as an incubator to grow human cells. Dr. Nyberg, thanks for joining us today and sharing your vision on this uh, whole issue of organ shortage and particularly the focus on your studies related to the liver. We wish you uh, best for your continued success in both the clinical and the research stages of your very important studies. To our listeners, thank you for joining us. We welcome suggestions at mail at regenerativemedicinetoday.com. And we thank the McGowan Institute for Regenerative Medicine that sponsors this podcast series. Thank you for listening, and until we meet again, best wishes. 